Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. What's up? This is DBE, and I'm your host, Stevie G. Today's episode is a good one, but before we dive in, I've got a few things to mention. A quick reminder to hit that subscribe or follow button on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you are listening. You can visit dbetravel.com to check out the entire episode library, read some insightful travel blogs, and support the show on Patreon. And don't forget that Destinations Beyond Expectations is on groupexperience.com as well, so you can listen to the show there too. Be sure to follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and if you like the show, spread the word. Okay, my guest today is my friend Natalia from Adventuresque Travel Boutique. Natalia helps her clients see the world by designing customized itineraries, but when she's not doing that, she loves traveling herself. Back in 2018, Natalia took an incredible trip to Croatia, and her experience there absolutely exceeded her expectations. Be sure to scroll down in the show notes to find Natalia's top 10 reasons to visit Croatia blog, where she writes about Croatian food, history, national parks, and so much more. Today we'll be covering her blog, so let's meet Natalia to learn more about why Croatia should be on your travel radar. Natalia, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful, and it's so great, uh, as every week, to, to talk to somebody who loves you know, travel and is passionate about it. And I, I want to start the interview with this today. Um, you know, international travel is thankfully becoming a possibility for many travelers again, but it really wasn't too long ago that we couldn't travel to other countries uh, because of the global pandemic, obviously. Uh, for me, not being able to travel abroad during the COVID period gave me a chance to reflect on amazing trips that I've taken in the past. And back in 2018, you got the chance to visit Croatia and you recently wrote a piece about that experience on your website, adventuresquetravel.com. Um, how did that Croatia trip come about for you? And what made you write about that travel memory? So in 2018, that was the year that I turned 30. <laughs> and I, I know that for some people that's kind of like, oh my God, milestone. And it definitely was for me. I was going through a kind of like eat, pray, love moment. Um, I was going through a breakup. I was going to start living by myself. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of living afraid. Let me do something I've never done before. And I had always wanted to go to the Dalmatian coast. Not that I knew a lot about it, but I was like, you know what? That's going to be it. That's going to be my moment. And I started actually looking up safest places for women to travel solo because you know, that's a big deal. If you're a woman, you want to make sure you go somewhere where you feel safe. And I had never traveled solo before. So Croatia popped up on every single list that Google presented to me. And I said, well, you know what? That's going to be it. And so I said, can I really do this on my own halfway across the world where I don't speak the language? Because I do speak like four languages, but any Slavic language, I have no idea. <laughs> like... So I was so happy I did it. It came with so many bonuses. It taught me so much about myself. And when I started Adventurous this year, I said, you know what? I want to know, I want people to know 
that they're able to travel in luxury and not breaking the bank. And Croatia was the perfect example of that. Cool. So you take this amazing trip to Croatia and you write this blog about it that covers the 10 reasons, um, 10 reasons in your opinion that someone should visit Croatia. And I want to get into those reasons. Um, I'm guessing you're a Game of Thrones fan because the first thing you mentioned is that Game of Thrones was actually filmed there and you can visit some of the places where filming occurred. So are these sites that you can visit on your own or are they guided tours? Um, and can you talk about like, you know, what it was like to actually be there and see where Game of Thrones was filmed? Yeah, so I'm a huge Game of Thrones nerd. Um, it started years ago, my first time ever in like Northern Ireland. And they said, you can see the Iron Throne. And after that, I've been to a bunch of places where they filmed. Um, but when I started planning my trip to Croatia, I noticed that, you know, King's Landing is there. I was like, oh my God, the motherland, we got to check this out. And, you know, all these filming locations were on all these blogs. And so I said, you know what, that's going to happen. However, I'm not really a guided tour person. So I found a way to explore these on my own. Um, so they're both. When I went to all of these locations, every single place there was a guided tour there was a person there with a little flag and they actually had pretty cool but they had laminated pictures of how it looked on the show and then they would show the guests hey this is the actual location so people could kind of picture it in their mind it wasn't something they had to remember you know from when they saw the show um but i actually went to a place in split croatia many places in split croatia uh, there's Diocletian's Palace, which has dungeons, and the dungeons look almost exactly like they do on the show. So what I did was I just paid the the entrance to the dungeons, and I kind of snuck up on a group that was speaking in English <laughs> so I could hear what he was telling people. But after a while, I didn't want to have like the whole group feel, so I, I walked the dungeons by myself, and let me tell you, it was so eerie because there's water, like, spilling into the dungeons and you hear it dripping. It's very, very eerie, but it's it's really cool. And then on Cleese, that's actually the city of Marine. I found a way to take the local bus. It was the equivalent of like $2 US. And I got on the bus by myself. I, you know, downloaded the Google map before heading out. So I knew exactly where to stop. And then I walked all the way up to the fortress on my own. And the views up there are incredible. It doesn't even take that much imagination. You can literally picture Daenerys Strongborn just standing there with all her army. So to your question, yes, there are guided tours, but you can also see these locations on your own. And in Dubrovnik, um, you can't miss it, honestly. Even if, we're, even if you're just walking the town, all the guided tours are everywhere holding up the pictures and um, Blackwater Bay. It's just, it's incredible and you can't miss it. That's amazing. And it sounds like, you know, maybe even if you're not really a Game of Thrones fan, this might be something that you would enjoy seeing just because of the sights and the views and everything. Yes, the views are incredible. I would say out of all the places that had Game of Thrones locations, Dubrovnik was the most picturesque just because even being on the bay, the water is crystal clear and you can picture it all the ships coming in to the harbor and having the people there holding the the pictures up i was like wow this is really cool because they even have star wars 
um, toured there because Star Wars was also filmed there. And, you know, I was like, oh, cool. So I would look at the pictures and enjoy it, even though I hadn't really seen it. <laughs> That's really neat. So, Natalia, as you say in your blog, you are a self-proclaimed foodie. Um, can you tell me about a few of your favorite Croatian dishes that you had while you were over there? I cannot believe I'm saying this, but the favorite thing I tried in Croatia was a pastry called burek. And it's a pastry. And you would think like, oh, you didn't eat anything more refined. But I was on a guided tour and my local guide said, hey, have you guys ever tried burek? And I said, no, never tried it. It's basically a pita stuffed with minced meat. And oh, my God, <laughs> it transformed me. I was hooked. I had about four more on my whole trip. It was like a good, like for me, a good breakfast pastry. I would have it with my coffee in the morning. Maybe that's not the way the Croatians eat it, but it was delicious. Um, and because I was on the Dalmatian coast, I tried mostly Dalmatian cuisine, which is very Mediterranean. A lot of fish, a lot of olive oil. Their cheese is exquisite. I tried the local sheep cheese on my first night there. And I can't even describe how tasty it was. Um, I had this tuna steak one night that it wasn't cheap. If you want to eat good in Croatia, don't expect, you know, like a $5 meal. But it was honestly one of the best tuna steaks I've ever had. And another meal that I got to have for my birthday, my 30th birthday, was in Korčula, an island in Croatia. They are famous for what they call macaroni. So obviously in my head, I'm like mac and cheese, like <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was actually um, a pasta and they made it in this really creamy, hearty sauce with octopus salad. And that's like a very typical dish for them. And it was worth every review that I had read. The locals kept telling me, if you're going to eat dinner tonight, have the macaroni and I'm so glad that I did. It was amazing. That sounds delicious. And you talked a little bit about the cheese being so great in Croatia. And obviously something that pairs really great with cheese is wine. Um, and I never knew that Croatia had great wine, but you write in your blog that you were pleasantly surprised by their wine. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the Croatian wine that you got to taste? So um, I am huge on wine. I'm like, I don't know how that's going to make me sound, but everywhere I go, um, France, Italy, Argentina, Australia, I always do a wine tasting just because that's my thing. And when I get there, you know, I wasn't really expecting to go to Croatia to have wine. And somebody kept telling me, you know, um, go to this local wine shop and they're going to talk to you about the wine. So I said, okay, when I get in, I did not know they don't really publicize their wine. They don't have enough crops to distribute it domestically and then have enough to export it. So Croatian wine isn't really exported, but their most famous grape is called Plavak Mali. And it's actually the ancestor of what we know as Italian Primitivo. So years ago, I mean, and I mean hundreds of years ago, they had a plague that was killing all of their crops. The ones that were still, you know, healthy, they shipped them off to Italy and it became the Primitivo wine that we know today. Plavac Mali is, it's exquisite. It's so good. It was very robust. And I was, you know, so happy. 
So when I went to Cortula, I went to a few wineries. They have a bunch of vineyards out there. I rented a bicycle. I rode through the vineyards. And a wine tasting is about 10, um, the equivalent of $10 because they use the Kuna. They don't use the Euro. So it's a, the equivalent of $10. And they give you cheese, olives, and four different local wines. So Corchula is actually known for their white wine variety. It's world famous. It wins awards. And I got to try it right there where they make it. So there's also one called a cherry wine that's native only to Croatia. These cherries are grown only in Croatia and you can't get this wine anywhere else. So if you ever go to Croatia, I definitely recommend the Maraska cherry wine because it's not something you can get in any other country in the world. Yeah, I love that. That, that sounds amazing. And it was cool that you talked about the history there too. Uh, tying back to Italy. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that the the food wasn't exactly like, you know, cheap, but you, you do talk about in your blog that you found the Croatian trip to be more affordable than you initially thought it would be. Um, how affordable is it realistically to visit Croatia? So as a, tra- as a solo traveler, I averaged about 28 to 56 US dollars a night on rooms on Airbnb. And I will say this, COVID has changed the world a little bit. It's gotten more expensive, but Croatia is still cheaper than its Western European counterparts. So I was staying in very, very nice Airbnbs. I was, you know, just renting a room on my own um, inside a larger Airbnb, but hotels can still average from 90 to $150 a night in a very decent, beautiful hotel. So, you know, on average in other European cities, it's gonna be much higher than that, above $200 a night. Um, they are not, like I said, they're not in the Eurozone, which actually helps keep the prices low. So they use their own currency called the Kuna, and that helped me, the exchange rate with the US dollar at the time was very good. Um, the meals were pretty, were pretty decent. They were averaging between eight to $10 a meal. And then if I wanted to go really extravagant with my meal, I was averaging between 20 to 25. And that was, you know, eating nice, having wine, having dessert. Um, I will say it does take some research. It's not just get there and eat anywhere because it's a very touristic country and they know what they can charge. But because I did my research, I found a lot of local places that had very, very good food at very affordable prices. Good. That's, I mean, that's great information to know. Um, Natalia, I'm not sure if you're like me, but I love, you know, getting outdoors and experiencing, you know, the outdoors when I travel. And it looks like Croatia does a great job of managing their national parks. You got to visit two national parks. Uh, What was that experience like? I'm so glad you asked that. Um, When I booked my trip, I saw that they had a very famous UNESCO World Heritage Site called Plivice Lakes. And actually getting there is the same if you go from Zagreb, the capital, or from Split, which is where I left from. It's about a three-hour drive from either or. But this this is a lesson on trying to save money. I tried to save money by booking a solo expedition trip through this huge national park, okay? 
that's just imagine yourself going to like Zion and then just trying to hike it on your own. You've never been there. Let me just, you know, explore. And I should have taken it as a red flag when they kept asking me, are you sure? Are you sure you don't need a guide? Are you sure? And I, you know, I said, no, I'm fine. So like I said, I don't speak any part of a Slavic language. And I just hear them talking about me. I'm going back and forth and they just put me on a bus. And as this bus takes off, the guy asked me, so you have your passport? And I said, isn't this park in Croatia? And he's like, um, this bus is going to Serbia. <laughs> I was like, oh no, sir, I'm on the rock bus. And so he's like, okay, opens the door to the bus and off you go. And I had to run back to this tour agency to try to get me on the right bus to Plivice Lakes. When I got there, because it is a three hour drive, the tour was long gone. I literally ran into this office. I'm sweating, I'm crying, you know, things happen. It's my first solo trip. And they said, you know what? Don't worry, we still have a, another tour leaving and you're going to Kirka National Park. So I actually ended up on two national park trips completely by accident. And I'm so glad I did because the Kirka National Park, I ended up meeting another solo traveler. She and I had a girls wine night. It was fun, but I will say this, Croatia takes care of their national parks. I mean, this, the first national park I went to was Kirka, K-R-K-A, and it was amazing waterfalls. You take a boat ride on the Kirka River. Um, it's surrounded by mills where they, you know, they get the power from all these waterfalls. And it is something you have to experience. It's not even far from Split. It's about an hour outside of the city. And then the next day, I ended up going to Plevice Lakes, which, interestingly enough, you have to do with a guide. So I'm so glad I ended up with a guide. I had a local guide. His name was Barisha. And he did the tour backwards. So everybody was starting off on one route. And he took us the opposite way which ended up working in our favor because we got less crowds and he gave us an entire rundown of the park. If you don't know, Plevice Lakes actually um, formed because the water falls in certain um, ways where every time you go to this park, you're gonna find a different park. The lakes change formation every single day. So if I were to go to Plevice Lakes now, three years after my trip, I'm not going to see the same park that I saw three years ago. And I would have never known that. Had I not had a guide, I would have never known that interesting information. So I will say if you do take a trip out to Plevice, make sure you go with a guide. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And yeah, the, the, it looks so amazing. The national parks, it really looks like they do a great job. I do want to ask, so if you had to do your situation over again, to kind of avoid that confusion. Like, I guess, what would you do differently? I would probably, if, okay, as Americans, we always think people are trying to upsell us. We always think, oh, you know what? They just want me to pay more for the more expensive tour. And that's not right. They, Croatians, literally, they want you to have a good time. They want you to enjoy their country. And so the person that kept asking me was asking because he wanted to make sure I enjoyed the tour. And so when they asked me that, I realized, you know what, sometimes it's better to spend a little bit more to make sure you're getting the most out of it. 
And so I, if I could go back in time, I would go a little, you know, spend a little more, visit more UNESCO World Heritage Sites. I was there just like uh, winging it basically because it was a very last minute trip. But if I could go back, I would visit more UNESCO World Sites and spend more money on local guides because they are an invaluable source. So Croatia, as we already talked about, is such a beautiful country. I mean, if someone goes, they should probably bring their camera. Um, Can you kind of describe in your own words what makes the country just so photogenic? Croatia is blessed. They are blessed with natural resources. Not only do they have those waterfalls that I was talking about, they have the Dalmatian coast. People love to talk about Italy, but I mean, Croatia has nothing to envy of them. They have over 1,200 islands, and these islands are just, I mean, incredible. You can't describe the water of the Adriatic Sea is crystal clear. I mean, I'm from Miami, and I'm used to seeing beaches and stuff, but the water here is, they like I said, they really take care of it. It's unpolluted. It's crystal clear. The climate is beautiful. And what helps also is the medieval architecture. I felt like I was in the 1500s Venice. And it's just, when you, when you mix the two, natural beauty with this architecture, I, you can't compare it to anything else. My last night in Croatia, I did the cable car in Dubrovnik. I went up right as the sun was setting and I watched my last sunset from the top of a mountain, just looking out into the sea. I mean, that's not, you don't even have to pay for that. That's free. And you get those picturesque views just by being there. So Croatia obviously has so many beautiful views, but it also has a lot of history. Um, you are a history buff. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, why why would someone who loves history just really enjoy visiting Croatia? Yes. So, like I said, it was so off, you know, last minute. When I got there, and excuse my ignorance, but when I got there, I was like, I feel like I'm in Rome in certain places. In other places, I felt like I was in ancient Greece. In other places, it looked like Venice. And when I actually started going on these tours, reading about it before I even went, I learned that they used to be a Greek colony years ago. They actually were the retirement homes of Roman emperors. So they have all this Roman architecture, but they also had the Roman army because it's such a strategic place. It really connects the East with the West. And then I read that they used to be a part of the Venetian Empire. So when I started reading, they were, they, Croatia has, you know, changed from so many hands, from the Roman Empire, the French Empire. Then they were a part of Yugoslavia. And I was lucky enough that I got to do a tour to Bosnia from Croatia. And of course, you're going to read all about the Bosnian War that took place there just 30 years ago in 1991. So not only do you have ancient history, but you have very relatively modern history. And you get to learn why their culture is the way that it is, why they're shaped the way that they are. Why is Croatia unique? Why is it different from Bosnia and Serbia? And it was very humbling to see how they've really picked themselves up in 30 years. I mean, it was a devastating war in my lifetime. I'm 33 
and the, you know they've completely transformed this country and made it to what it is today which is a, a you know an amazing beautiful place to visit to learn all this history so whether you're you know trying to get to one of these historical sites where you can learn a little bit about history or you want to try cuisine in, in a different part of the country or you want to get to a national park obviously you need transportation and you know ferries and buses make it pretty easy to see a lot of croatia um can you tell me about the transportation you use during your visit Definitely. So like I said, I was pretty nervous because I didn't really know how I was going to get from point A to point B. And traveling traveling along the Dalmatian coast is so easy. Um, when I researched it, if you're going in a group, apparently renting a car is super cheap and very easy to drive. The roads are super easy. They're straight. They're not like long winding roads through mountains. But also you have the buses. Like I said, I took a bus up the mountain very quickly, saw the fortress. They're very straightforward routes to use and it averaged between $2 to $4 for every trip. But my favorite way to get around in Croatia was the ferries. The ferries were very economic in price. They were like 15 to $25 and you get to go on water and see these islands, like I said, which are just spectacular. They're so beautiful. Um, I got to see, it's spelled H-B-A-R, but they pronounce it Huar, like a U. And that's a very popular island. I got to visit Kortula. Um, I got to get into Dubrovnik, which, you know, as I said before, is the equivalent of King's Landing. As you're coming in on a on a ferry, you get to see these med- medieval castles and everything from the water. That to me is a very unique way of seeing them for a very low price. Because to me, twenty dollars for a three hour tour of you know the water on the islands is is very economic. So that was probably my favorite way to get around. And a lot of people don't know, but it's so easy to get to other countries on bus. They offer like $30 rides to Montenegro, to Serbia, to Bosnia. So you can even visit a lot of countries just by being in Croatia at a very low price on a bus. Yeah, and I think maybe some people who aren't familiar with the area might not realize that there's a lot of countries that aren't too far proximity-wise. So as you mentioned, I think that's a great deal. And, And talking about the ferries, like you said, that must be amazing just like the views that you can get, you know, as you're transporting on the water. So that's that's really cool. Um, remind me, what time of year did you travel to Croatia? And tell me, like, what was the what was the weather like when you went? So I went for my birthday, which is May 16th. I left the state. I was there from May 11th through May 21st, and it was perfect. It was absolutely the, in my opinion, the best time to go. The winters in Croatia are very cold and they're very wet. So I don't really enjoy rainy weather being from Florida. I'm used to sunshine all the time. However, I have read that the summers in Croatia can get pretty hot. Um, So my recommendation is definitely, definitely try to go between early May to early June or the end of August to early October that ends the high season because imagine being there during the summer it's super hot and they you are literally elbow to elbow with other tourists because i had a friend who went this year 
and they said it was a little bit unbearable. And now you you have low season, but you still have that nice climate. Um, the average temperature was about 75 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, you can't beat that. And it's there was no rain. It, I mean, you can go around with a nice dress. And it was very pleasant to go at that time of year. So that would be my recommendation. So a lot of people who have Croatia on their list of places to travel probably are wondering, what are the locals like? Um, so from your experience, would you say that like, were they welcoming? Were they friendly? Can you just talk about that a little bit? So the locals, that is what makes this country still to this day, probably number one or two on my list. They are so open. They are so proud of their country, of their heritage. Everywhere I went, they saw that I was alone and it wasn't, you know, I'm traveling by myself. It wasn't like imposing. They'd be like, do you need help finding something? Or, you know, where are you going? We can help you. Oh, you want food? You know, let me show you. One of the two of actually two of the nicest things that happened to me when I first got to Split, um, my Airbnb host, she ended up having to leave the country unexpectedly. So her father handed me the keys. This man spoke no English, only Croatian, and I speak no Croatian. So he hands me the keys and he just says, beautiful, beautiful. And he kept repeating that. That night she messaged me and she said, my father wanted to make sure that you were okay. And he said that you were very nice. And this is where he recommends you have dinner. And she sent me the location of like a local restaurant that he always eats at. I mean, he didn't have to do any of that. They didn't have to check up on me. So that was so beautiful. And the second one, right as I left Dubrovnik, my host sees me and she says, she speaks English. And she says, I can tell that you're going through something and you have a beautiful soul. And I made you this. She gave me a bookmark that she hand knit. It was made out of yarn and she hand knit and it said Dubrovnik on it. And I I almost started crying. I'm such a sap. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, thank you so much. And she said, we welcome you back. You know, we want you guys to love Croatia and we we love it as much as you guys love it. So that was amazing. My other host in Cortula, they left me strawberries and chocolate when they found out it was my birthday. When I came back from my wine tasting, they had it there with a little sign that said happy birthday. All of these things, like they go the extra mile that they don't have to and they make you feel safe. So the locals are one of the best features of Croatia. And that's got to be probably one of your top reasons that you would want to go back in the future, right? 100%. I cannot wait to go. I have friends. I keep talking it up and I make sure I tell people, you know, go out there and immerse yourself because it's one thing to go out there and just hey i want to see the sites take selfies and take pictures but do these local activities talk to them ask them what's the best place to eat because they're so open that they're going to talk to you and they're going to suggest the best places that you know what you may have never discovered if you're just doing a google search right yeah i totally agree and that that's really really cool and it's it's nice to hear that everyone's so welcoming, for sure. Um, we mentioned at the top of your interview that your Croatian blog can be found on adventuresquetravel.com. Can you tell me a little bit about your business, Adventuresque Travel Boutique, and how do you help people travel? Yeah, so last year with COVID, um, I went through this whole <laughs> soul-searching experience 
And I, because we were deprived of travel for an entire year plus, I realized I want to make this my passion. I want to help people travel the world the way I travel the world, which is luxury as an experience, not as a price tag. So what I do is I build customized itineraries. I ask my clients, hey, what's your budget? We will help you get to your destination within your budget. If I can't, I'm always honest, but that's what I do. I do completely tailor-made trips for people who want to discover the world, but either they're overwhelmed by the planning process or they've been too afraid thinking that's not something they can do. And this Croatian trip was actually the kickstarter to that because I was afraid. I didn't think I could do a trip like this on my own. And I'm here to let my clients know, yes, you can, and we will help you get there. I love it. Now, if someone wants to learn more, obviously they can visit your website. Um, but where else can they go on social media to give you a follow? So I'm actually on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And the handle is at AdventureSTB. T as in Tom, B as in boy. And you can find all the information there. I even put some freebies on my Instagram, a checklist for international travel. It's not all about you know, building these trips. It's really about helping people with all sorts of travel tips. I love it. Well, Natalia, you probably know this is coming because you shared uh, with me that you listened to a few episodes before coming on this interview. So, um, you know, on this podcast, Destinations Beyond Expectations is considered the podcast um, for students of travel. So I want to ask you, are you someone who considers yourself a student of travel and if so, can you maybe share a lesson that you've learned along your travel journeys? Yes, 100%. I, I didn't even mention this, but I've been a flight attendant for 10 years. <laughs> and despite the fact that travel is my job, every single day I learn something new. My number one lesson out there is listen to the people you meet. You will meet the most amazing humans in the world who surprise you they will give you life lessons they will even teach you how to do something you've been doing your whole life but differently so my lesson has always been listen to the people I meet because I might learn something new every single day I go out there and to this day it doesn't matter how long I'll travel I will always be a student of travel love that answer that that's fantastic um, well Natalia thank you again so much for coming on the show I really appreciate uh, you chatting about Croatia. It's such a fascinating country. And it, after talking to you, it's definitely shot up my list of places to visit. So thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. Well, that about does it for this week. A huge DBE thank you to Natalia from Adventuresque Travel Boutique. Make sure to visit her website, adventuresquetravel.com and follow Natalia at TV on Instagram and other socials. Looking for ways to help support the DBE podcast? Here's three quick ideas. You can check out groupexperience.com, which is the official home of the podcast. You can follow the show on Instagram at Destinations Beyond Expectations. And a third way to support is by rating and reviewing Destinations Beyond Expectations on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use to listen to the show. Well, that's about all I've got for this week. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you soon.